Washington Commanders have some pretty key decisions that they need to mull over as they head into their offseason. Who are they going to take as their offensive coordinator? What are they going to do with Deron Payne? What free agents are they going to re-sign? All of that and a lot more. Plus, I'll give you my thoughts on the Super Wildcard Weekend Games and my preview of the upcoming Divisional Round Games. All of that and much more coming up right now on the Next Gen Fan Podcast. Welcome back to the Next Gen Fan Podcast. Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. So, quick update before I get to what we got on the agenda today. Currently, as I am recording, the Chiefs-Jaguars game is going on. And at this point, there's about 2 minutes, 40 seconds left to go in the fourth quarter. The Jaguars just turned the ball over for the second time in three plays. A really incredible one-handed interception by Chiefs corner Jalen Watson. And currently, it's 27-17. Quick update right there. Now, so, for the Commanders, there's obviously... A lot of things I got done this offseason coming off a really disappointing uh, season in general. This episode isn't going to be a, a full uh, offensive breakdown or offseason breakdown of, of really things that they, they need to get done. But uh, there's a few things that I have really been mulling over and, and thinking about that, you know, Washington does need to start considering. And obviously one of those is the offensive coordinator position. Washington has currently interviewed Charles London, the Falcons quarterback coach. Pat Shermer, a, a former NFL OC, uh, he most recently spent some time with the Giants and the Broncos, as well as Ken, Ken Zampezi, the commander's quarterback coach. Uh, I, I think that as far as the, the offensive coordinator uh, interviews are, are going, I, I do think it's important to to recognize and for us to realize that the commanders want to be a run first team per what Ron Rivera has said currently. And what I mean by that is that, you know, you look at what they did last offseason going and selecting John Dotson, getting Carson Wentz. Uh, you don't do that if you're going to be a run team uh, primarily, but you know, that's, that's what ended up working out for them. So that's what they want to be. Uh, point being, they're not going to go hire a guy who is, you know, the next best thing when it comes to passing offense. They're going to hire a guy who agrees with what they want to do on offense, and that is run the football, which is why you look at guys like Pat Shermer, uh, Charles London, Charles London, Falcons, one of the best teams that run the football. Uh, Pat Shermer, a guy who really is devoted to running the football. Those are two guys who I think have a really good chance at getting this job. Obviously, Ken Zampezi, guy who's been in the, in the room and knows what they want to do. Uh, so that's what I think when it comes to the offensive coordinator, that's what they're going to get done. With that being said, who do I want an offensive coordinator? First of all, there's, there's a few people on this list. Uh, some of these might surprise you, and uh, some of these you may not have heard of, but Zach Robinson, the Rams pass game coordinator, um, not that the Rams had a, a stellar pass game this season, but my idea is you, you want to give this guy a chance, someone who's been in the, the Sean McVay tree, uh, give him a chance to really use some of that that uh, 
creativity that you know I'm sure he he's been working on with Sean McVay. So again, Zach Robinson, the Rams pass game coordinator. Now speaking of the Rams, the Commanders on Monday will interview the Rams uh, tight end slash assistant head coach. My next candidate for the Commanders OC is Greg Roman, the former Baltimore offense coordinator. And my reasoning behind this is, one, I think that this could be an option for the commanders in general because that's what they did a lot of in Baltimore was run the football. Uh, two, I, I like what they do with Tyler Huntley, with Lamar Jackson, uh, getting those guys to move the pocket and uh, to be able to use their legs. Sam Howell definitely has that ability. Now... The thing with Greg Roman is that this guy is not really someone who, uh, obviously, if, you, if you've watched football in Baltimore, outside of guys like Mark Andrews, the pass game is not really something that is his forte, which for a team who has receivers like Washington does is not an ideal fit. Uh, but someone who, you know, if I saw him get the, sh- get the job, I would not be, uh, I would not be let down. Another guy on my list cliff kingsbury uh former cardinals offensive coordinator this is a guy who has utilized some special pass packages in arizona i think getting him away from all the responsibilities of being a head coach would be something to wear that might get him the opportunity to just focus on utilizing the personnel here in washington and that is an idea that i I can definitely go for and then along with Kingsbury, Byron Leftwich, the former Buccaneers offensive coordinator, he was surprisingly fired this offseason. And I understand that, you know, once Bruce Arians stepped down, this is the year where, you know, you would have liked to see a, a better performance from Leftwich. Arians was obviously very involved in calling that offense. But Leftwich is a guy who was considered a head coaching candidate last year, had a few different interviews, a guy who I wanted, uh, and I think that this would be a great opportunity to see what exactly he can do, given the personnel, and Tampa Bay is, is, is by no means a terrible roster, but I think that this would be a, a great pickup for Washington. Byron Leftwich is uh, my number one candidate for the commander's offensive coordinator, uh, just because I, I want to see this guy who has had success offensively, whether whether that credit should go to Bruce Arians or him as the offense coordinator, I I would love to give him a shot. Uh, with that being said, moving on to the Pro Bowl, and this is something that came out a few weeks ago, but something I, I didn't really touch up on for Washington the original four Pro Bowlers were John Allen, Terry McLaurin, Tressway, and Jeremy Reeves. Reeves as the, the special teamer for the NFC. Now, because of injury, Aaron Donald was not able to play, so Deron Payne was bumped up to that slot. And I think it is it is very interesting to even see Aaron Donald get that, that Pro Bowl spot. And not that, not that he didn't play well, but I mean, the guy didn't play for over half of the season I think it's that kind of should disqualify him but you know with that being said Payne gets in very deserving uh and then moving right on to all pro 
Jeremy Reeves was the only player on Washington to actually make the first team All-Pro. Uh, he made it as a special teams player, which really incredible for him. First Pro Bowl, first All-Pro. And then Allen or Payne, those are guys who should have made the second team All-Pro. Neither of them did. And you look at Allen's stats this year. Allen had an interception, three passes defended, two forced fumbles, seven and a half sacks, 65 combined tackles. 17 QB hits and 16 tackles for loss. Then you look at Deron Payne, five passes defended, one fumble recovery, 11 and a half sacks, 56 combined tackles, 18 tackles for loss, and 20 QB hits. Uh, those are both really excellent years by these guys. And comparing them to comparing those, those season stats to the other two defensive tackles who made the second team Pro Bowl or All Pro, you've got Jeffrey Simmons and uh, Dexter Lawrence. Now Simmons. A guy who really is disruptive. Uh, seven passes defended, one forced fumble, seven and a half sacks, 54 combined tackles, nine tackles for loss, and 14 QB hits. So uh, definitely not as good statistically as what Payne did. And then you got Dexter Lawrence, three passes defended, two forced fumbles, seven and a half sacks, 68 combined tackles, seven TFLs, and 28 QB hits. So if, uh, if I could rearrange this i would bump simmons out and move Payne in i think Payne did better than allen and Payne definitely did better than simmons i would keep uh dexter lawrence who really had an incredible year i think he he really deserved a pro bowl um and that all pro nod so i would keep him in but i really think that they kind of snubbed Payne there um that guy should have been in from the get-go and then another quick note uh washington has four coaches who were named to the 2023 Senior Bowl, assistant running backs coach Jennifer King, assistant D-line coach Ryan Kerrigan, assistant O-line coach Travell Wharton, and assistant special teams coach Ben Jacobs. Uh, four guys named to the Senior Bowl coaching staff. With all that being said, what is next for the Commanders this offseason? First thing they need to do is sign an OC. I already really touched on that mainly, but this offensive coordinator needs to be able to develop Sam Howell. That's one of the reasons why I'm kind of intrigued about Ken Zampezi because he's an in-house guy. That would hopefully not allow the, the, the scenario of Sam Howell having to learn a new offense. However, I do also like the intriguing idea of getting someone else out there to really improve him. This offensive coordinator, they need to be able to develop and use these weapons on offense because how many times was I bringing up that Scott Turner was struggling and or failing to use all these weapons that we have on offense I mean how many times would we look at the statistics sheet going into halftime and Tim McLaurin has one catch or no catches like it's stuff like that where get your best player involved and this offensive coordinator needs to realize that and needs to get that done uh, it's a passing league and I understand that this is going to be hard because Ron Rivera wants to run the football. But I, I need this guy to have a decent pass game. Uh, as I mentioned, Ron Rivera, probably not going to sign an OC who will uh, throw the ball around a lot. He wants a guy who's going to run the football. So, you know, for the things I listed above, probably not a good chance of a lot of those happening. But still, things I think Washington needs to get done. Number two on my list, they need to extend Deron Payne. And this is something that, you know, I've seen multiple people who, you know, are like, you can't pay that much money for Deron Payne. It's going to be, you know, around $20 million. And, you know, with 
John Allen's cap jumping up to around $21 million next year. That'd be about $40 million in cap for two defensive tackles. And, you know, I see that. I, I, I hear that argument. And, yeah, that makes sense. $40 million in cap, that's a lot. But I, I also look at, you know, how good Deron Payne and John Allen are at wrecking the game together. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I want that instead. And, you know, you can go and draft defensive tackles all year in the first round. I, I can do that in the first round every year. But it's going to be hard for you to find a guy like Deron Payne. I'm not saying that Deron Payne, like, you know, Hall of Fame worthy, but this is a guy who is extremely disruptive, who is a nightmare with John Allen for defensive coordinators. And another big reason behind this is that I know what Deron Payne is. I know that he is a game wrecker. I'm not so sure about, you know, Montez Sweat, Chase Young. I mean, yeah, those guys have played decent. You know, Sweat had a decent year, but none of those guys have really fully put it together the way Payne did. Payne had an 11 and a half sacks this year for a defense tackle, which is crazy. 20 QB hits, 18 TFLs. It is controversial to sign defense, two defensive tackles to a major contract. But you have to understand that one Ron Rivera, the way Ron Rivera is constructing this team is to rely heavily on the defense. You cannot let a guy like Deron Payne walk. Now, the issue with this is that I don't, don't really think that Ron Rivera is going to re-sign Payne. And my reasoning behind this is why would you pay $40 million for two defensive tackles when you just drafted a defensive tackle in Fedarian Mathis in the second round? Now, I understand Mathis got hurt, and we didn't really see much out of him, but I, I, don't, I think that just makes that situation a little more confusing, and, and that's really why I don't think Ron Rivera is going to re-sign him I overall though, Payne's a guy you, you have to lock up. You cannot let that guy walk into free agency. I do not want them using the franchise tag because that, as we've seen in Washington, only leads to that player not getting signed to a long term deal. They did it with Brad and Sheriff most recently. So that that's really not a, a good option for Washington. And then the, the really the third thing on this list for Washington and you know, playoffs aren't over yet. We're, we're barely getting started into the divisional round. So these aren't things that really need to get, they really need to start getting a move on, but they do need to start considering. Uh, they need to begin deciding who they want to bring back in free agency. And I'm not talking about, you know, other teams' free agents. These are players who are going to be free agents this year. And the Commanders actually have a lot of players, 20 in total. Uh, Deron Payne, Wes Schweitzer, Trey Turner, Cam Sims, Taylor Heineke, F.A. Obata, Tyler Larson, David Mayo, John Bostic, Jonathan Williams, Nick Martin, Danny Johnson, Jeremy Reeves, Cleek Hudson, Daniel Wise, Milo Eifler, Rashad Wild Goose, Eli Wolf, Cole Holcomb, and Nolan Laufenberg. So those are the 20 free agents that the commanders have going into this offseason. And I'm going to go through this list again, give you guys my answer to whether the commanders should resign them. And First of all, Deron Payne, yes, I really went over this. They got to keep that guy. Uh, he's a game wrecker. Wes Schweitzer, as much as I love what I've seen from Schweitzer, I'm going no here because I think that they need to move on from some of these guys who, you know, we keep seeing them sign, whether that be, uh, obviously, Schweitzer. Uh, you look at Ron Rivera bringing in guys he knows in Trey Turner, Andrew Norwell. I, I'm done with the 
the Carolina Panther repeats. That is not what I want. Uh, we're not trying to recreate the Carolina Panthers. We are trying to create a winning organization, and that's not the way to go about it. So Wes Schweitzer, no. Trey Turner, no. Cam Sims, yes. And the reason behind this is I think Cam Sims is actually a fairly capable wide receiver for uh, he's not going to be asking for too much money. And I like what I've seen from Cam Sims, given the opportunities he's had. So I, I'm I'm a yes on Cam Sims. Taylor Heineke, uh, no. I'm a no on Taylor Heineke. As much as I love me some Taylor Heineke, I think that they do need to move on and, and stop using this guy as their you know their backup backup plan. Uh, if you're going with Sam Howell going forward, which you know. There's news that the commanders have, you know, to have said to offensive coordinator candidates, you know, what would like, what would you do if Sam Howell was a quarterback or something like that? And I think that they need to move forward with how it won. But Taylor Heineke is, we, we know what he is at this point. Uh, so I, I think that it would be better for them to just sign some other backup. And it all really depends on the contract that Taylor Heineke is going to want. If he's going to want some, some bigger money which I think he can get, then I'm not down with that. There's no point signing Taylor Heineke to a huge deal. Um, or even, you know, $10, $12, $14 million. Um, no, we can find guys for cheaper. Because um, it looks like Sam Howell might be the guy. Now, next on the list, F.A. Obata. Uh, no, um, we can find other backup defensive ends. I'm really fine. I think we can do better than F.A. Obata and around the same price tag that he would want. Tyler Larson, yes. Larson has played very well when he's had to come in for center. Uh, I like him a lot. I think they should definitely keep him. David Mayo, no. John Bostic, no. Jonathan Williams, no. Um, I'm out in the linebackers. John Bostic, a definite no. Uh, David Mayo, I, again, a, a member of the Carolina Panther repeat squad. No thank you on that. I, I Again, I know what David Mayo is, and I, I like what I've seen from him a few times. He's, he's flashed a little bit, but overall... I think that they need to try and develop a few more guys at, at that position. I know they don't want to sink a lot of money into that position, but you know, let, let's try and try a few other guys in there and maybe maybe play around with that position a little more. And then Jonathan Williams, a guy who I have liked uh, as well. But again, the same reasoning behind this is that I think we do better at that backup running back position, as well as I really liked what I saw from Jarrett Patterson in the last game of the season. So I think that's something that they need to consider to bring Patterson back Moving on, Nick Martin. No, uh, him playing at center was a disaster. I'm out on that. Danny Johnson. Yes, Danny Johnson is not a starting cornerback. I think we all know this, but I think he can play really well as a backup. Jeremy Reeves, next on this list. Yes, I, I think that, one, I like what Jeremy Reeves has done for this team, not only on special teams when he's had to come in on defense, but two, Ron Rivera is not going to cut a guy who, in his, you know, who has really had to struggle and really fight to get in the league. And he, he's not going to cut a guy who just got his first Pro Bowl and All-Pro nod. Uh, I don't. That's not going to happen. Cleek Hudson, yes. I like Cleek Hudson a lot uh, out of Michigan. I think that, you know, with that speed, he is a little undersized, but I think that they can definitely, you know, he continues to develop. I think that's a good piece for them. Daniel Wise at defensive tackle. And now this does become a little dicey depending on what they do with Payne. I personally think they should keep Wise. He was really banged up for most of this year, but I still like him a lot. Milo Eifler at linebacker, no. Rashad Wild Goose at DB, 
No, but I am. I, I, I'm saying no. I would not be angry if they brought him back. I think he played well down the stretch. So definitely someone who I think they should consider bringing back. But overall, I'm a no on. Eli Wolf at tight end, no. Cole Holcomb, yes, at linebacker. Uh, they they need Cole Holcomb badly. Their linebacker position really struggle without him. So they, they need to get him back. And then Nolan Loffenberg at guard, uh, no. So overall, Washington really needs to consider signing Deron Payne. I would love for them to get an OC who can use the weapons in Washington, although I think that's really unrealistic considering what Ron Rivera wants. And then they do need to start considering who they are bringing back. With that being said, coming up next, I will be giving you my thoughts on the NFL wildcard games as well as the divisional round games that are coming up. So for the first wildcard game, that was the Seahawks-Niners game. The Niners really finished off Seattle in the second half. It was a close game at halftime. Seattle was actually leading 17 to 16. It appeared to be, or it appeared that the game would continue to be close. Uh, Geno Smith at halftime, 9 to 10 for 104 yards and a touchdown. Seattle ended up having six drives in the first half, and they scored on three of them. They had 10 first downs in the first half, and they were four of seven on third down. That was the first half, and really in the second half, you saw one, one two things really. You saw the San Fran defense really step up, and then you saw the defense for the Seahawks really kind of start to fall apart a little bit, giving the Seattle offense a chance to really put the game away. Overall in the game, Juno Smith finished 25 of 35 or 253, two tutties and a pick. They had 10 drives in total, ended up only scoring on four of them. 22 first downs, but they were 6 of 13 on third down. If you look at their possession chart for Seattle, they, for their 10 drives, punt, punt, touchdown, touchdown, punt, field goal, fumble, punt, interception, touchdown. If you look at the Niners, field goal, touchdown, field goal, punt, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, field goal, and then they finish the game with the ball. So Seattle only punted one time, and the, oh, excuse me, San Fran only punted one one time, Seattle on the other hand, punted four times, also had an interception and a fumble. So they really struggled with maintaining drives. I think that was really the main story of that game, as well as Seattle. Just th- that roster is, is so well built. Uh, I understand why people are, are really calling out Seattle as a Super Bowl favorite, um, at least an NFC favorite. Moving to the next game, the Jaguar and the Charger game. Uh I, I, again, this game was crazy, and we all know that. And I'm sure you've heard of a bunch of other people who can tell you, you know, their thoughts on this game. My, my only really thing I want to bring up with this game is that how are you the Chargers, man? If you're a Chargers fan, five turnovers and you still lost. Whew, yeah, that is bad. That is really bad. And again, you don't need me to tell you that, but five turnovers. He still somehow lost. Good for the Jaguars. Uh, Trevor Lawrence threw four picks, and man, that is a nightmare if you're the Jaguars fan, especially people who went to that game. How about going from such a low to such a high? But Trevor Lawrence, those four picks, and you know some of those were his fault, some of those weren't, but overall, when you throw four picks in the NFL, uh, that's crazy. When you throw those four picks and still come back, 
that's crazy. When you throw four picks and come back in the playoffs, that's really crazy. Somehow, Doug Peters and the Jags are playing the Chiefs in the divisional round. Uh, unfortunately, that's where their ride stopped. They ended up losing today. Uh, remember, as I said, I'm recording while the game's going on, and the char- the Jaguars ended up falling to the Chiefs in that game. But overall, for the, the Chargers-Jaguars game, I feel like the Chargers are always talked about as pl- serious playoff contenders every season. You got Justin Herbert. You got, you know, look at the Chargers. They got Khalil Mack this offseason and got some good pieces in the draft, got some O-linemen to protect Trevor Lawrence, and, you know, end up blowing this this huge lead. And it really does go to show, you know, even if you do have an excellent quarterback like that, you do also have to build around him. Uh, something to keep in mind. The the Miami game and the Buffalo game, the Bills, the Dolphins, I don't understand why people were talking about Mike McDaniel possibly getting fired. He lost by three points with Skylar Thompson at quarterback, right? Skylar Thompson, 18 to 45, 220 yards, a pick and two touchdowns. Excuse me, one touchdown, two picks. That that coaching done by Mike McDaniel to get his guys ready to be able to field a, a team with Skylar Thompson at quarterback and almost beat the Bills, one one of the Super Bowl favorites going into this season. That was it's crazy. Whoever like if you're talking about Mike McDaniel possibly getting fired, like did you watch the game? I understand they had some some clock management issues, but this guy had a, a third string Jag quarterback and almost beat the Bills. Like let let's let's slow down a minute on whether we should fire Mike McDaniel. That guy was able to turn nothing into a, a really close game. And you look at the Bills, something that I'm really concerned about is Josh Allen and the turnovers. And Josh Allen does some crazy stuff. Yeah, you know, he threw two picks in this game and he's turned the ball over a lot over the, the course of the regular season. I am concerned with him and the, the Bengals game coming up in the divisional round. That's something that I think is going to bite them, uh, is really going to bite them in the playoffs, is Josh Allen turning the ball over when he's trying to be a little little too crazy. But overall, Allen finished the day 23 of 39, 352 yards, three touchdowns, and the two picks. Now, the next game was Giants and the Vikings, and the Vikings have had a really poor defense all season long. It finally led to their demise, but that's not really what I want to talk about. How about the New York Giants and being able to put together a team under their new head coach, Brian Dable? I mean, their receivers are Isaiah Hodgins and Richie James. Like, who were those guys? And I'm like not to disrespect them, but like those are not, you know, your everyday run of the mill like NFL wide receivers. Like those those are guys who I, I could see playing on like XFL teams or something. The scheme with Daniel Jones, the scheme with Saquon Barkley, it is really unbelievable the way Brian Dable was able to really build this team up around, you know. Some they have a good good team, but it's not you know 
Not someone you would think you would be seeing in the divisional round. I think what Brian Dable has done is really impressive getting Daniel Jones to really, one, be pretty turnover-free, but two, utilizing his legs and going in and seeing, okay, what are these players good at? Let's utilize their skills. Forget about whatever I want to use, whatever play call, whatever scheme I want to run. Whatever these guys are good at, let's do that. And that is what they've done. And it really has been crazy to see this Giants team. Uh, that fourth down play on the Vikings, yeah, Kirk, you got to go somewhere else there. I, I understand you're you're hoping your your tight end, who's been a beast all game, uh, breaks a tackle, but it, it, it's fourth down. Justin Jefferson's getting that ball. I don't I don't really care what what the coverage looks like. You got to give your best player the football there. Bengals Ravens, the Tyler Huntley show. He actually almost had his Ravens on top in the fourth quarter when all of a sudden. They go for a, a QB sneak. He tries to go over the top, loses control of the football, and you look at one on a play like that. I understand Tyler Huntley's not the biggest guy, but you do need to be kind of considerate with the fact that he going over the top like that. Players are going to be aware to try and, and bat that ball out of his hands. But the Bengals, with Hubbard able to take that all the way back for a touchdown and really with the Bengals I was kind of concerned offensively with them you know being that they have Joe Mixon and Jamar Chase and Tyler Boyd and T Higgins and Joe Burrow but you know they played a good Ravens defense when they go to Buffalo I don't think the Bills defense is as good as the the Ravens but I think that you, you need to see a strong performance from Joe Burrow because I think that game is going to be a, a duel by those two quarterbacks. Overall, a, a game that was really close by the Ravens and something where, you know, little issue, issues like that where your quarterback tries to go over the top, uh, lost you the game. But overall, I thought a good performance by the Ravens and a concerning performance by the, Bill, the Bengals, seeing that they're not going to go face the Bills in a divisional round game. Now, the final game, the Bucks and the Cowboys. After seeing Week 18, I really did not think the Cowboys would come out and play well. They did. Uh, Dak Prescott played extremely well. 25 of 33 for 305, four touchdowns. He also had a, a rushing touchdown. I think that, you know, you look at what Tom Brady did. First of all, he threw the ball 66 times. Uh which is crazy. I don't remember the last time I've seen a quarterback throw the ball that many times. 35 of 66 for 351, two touchdowns and a pick. So not terrible numbers. It's just they really struggled to get that offense moving and to keep it moving. On third down, they were 10 of 18. The Buccaneers, 10 of 18, 55.6% of their third downs. And I think that overall, you know, look at that on fourth down, one of three. That That's a killer. But defensively, for the Cowboys, 425 total yards. Uh, obviously, you can't give up that many, especially in a playoff game. But also, Brett Maher, the Cowboys kicker, missing four extra points. Something that's that's kind of crazy. The Cowboys brought in a kicker just from competition, but they are going to stick with Maher. Uh, something to watch. A guy who's actually been pretty good in the NFL, Brett Maher. Uh, I don't know if he's got, like, you know, just got a little 
some uh, butterflies in his stomach or something, but definitely something to watch out for the Cowboys. Overall, I think that Dallas going into this game, I think it was kind of, for me, looking back on it now, Tampa Bay was a team that struggled all year. Uh, they really did not have it going their way very often. And I was just like, oh, Dallas played terrible week 18. Their offense looked so, so stagnant. Going against the Bucks, I think that this is a great game for the Bucks to, to catch Dallas kind of off guard. Instead, it was com- the complete opposite, and the Cowboys totally whooped the Buccaneers. With that being said, those are all of the wild card games. Now, coming up for the divisional round games, as I said, the Jaguars ended up losing to the Chiefs really in a great game uh, that came down to the wire. Unfortunately, the Jaguars turned it over two times in three plays, as I mentioned, and they fell to the Chiefs 27-20. to The Chiefs go into the AFC Championship game, and that is really incredible for the Chiefs. Just one, how good Patrick Mahomes is, even with an injury. He had an ankle injury during this game, still able to make some plays. But two, that's what it looks like when you have a stud star quarterback. The Giants and the Eagles. This is a really interesting matchup because... The Eagles, one, have struggled over the past few weeks uh, just being able to, obviously you got that Jalen Hurts injury, but two, being able to get back to how they were in the earlier season. They do have Lane Johnson, their tackle back. He is going to be in this game. Uh, He was dealing with a groin injury. Obviously, Jalen Hurts coming off the injury. I don't think he's played in, what, almost a month? That's going to be really crazy to see if Jalen Hurts still has it. You look at the Giants who, you know, they're not something super special on offense, but they 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 proved against the Vikings they can get enough points to win games. That is going to be a really crazy game to watch. Overall, I think that if Jalen Hurts is right, that it's going to be the Eagles all day. If they can just continue to get back to how they were early in the season, if Jalen Hurts can turn it on, then the Giants aren't going to have a chance. If he is off a little bit, if he's a little rusty, which I think is also a good possibility, This is going to be a really good chance for the Giants to go to the NFC Championship game. How crazy would that be if the 9-7-1 Giants went to the NFC Championship game to face off with the winner of the Cowboys-49ers game? That could be Washington. Could be. Bengals-Bills. As I mentioned, I think this is going to be a shootout. I think this is going to be up to who plays better at quarterback. Uh, Joe Burrow or Josh Allen? That's going to be the question. The Bengals coming in at 12 and 4. The Bills 13 and 3. Bills Super Bowl favorites. I like the Bengals in this game a lot. I think that Joe Burrow is going to have a bounce back game from the Ravens, uh, from the Ravens game, and I think that Josh Allen just turns the ball over a little too much, and that's going to come back and really bite him in this game. And then finally, the Cowboys and the 49ers. Uh, I don't think the 49ers really are going to have too much trouble with Dallas. I've heard people who, you know, are talking about like, you know, what if Brock Purdy finally has that game where what if he throws multiple picks? What if he he fumbles a few times? I I think it is important for us to kind of maybe maybe think about maybe maybe Brock Purdy's actually decent at quarterback, maybe. I don't know, hot take, but I I, I, I over the course of the season, all I've heard is, you know, may, what if this is the game where Brock Purdy just struggles? Well, this is the game where Brock Purdy turns the ball over too many times. I'm not sure that, I, again, that, that game could entirely be against the Cowboys. But 
Brock Purdy may just be a, a, a legit NFL quarterback. And I again, look at this talent on the San Fran team. I don't think Dallas has a, a real big chance in this game. I, I think it will be fairly close, but overall, I think that the 49ers are definitely going to win this game. With that being said, thank you for listening to this episode of the Next Gen Fan Podcast. I really appreciate it. If you are not subscribed to the podcast, please make sure you do that. You can find me on our podcast. You can find me on Spotify. Check Spotify if you have it. I often am posting polls and questions. You guys can interact with me and answer those questions and vote in the polls. If you have a question you would like answered, you can always send me a voice message. That is down in the description. I salute our armed forces, firefighters, police officers, and emergency personnel. God bless you and God bless America.